I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm honored to welcome our guest today, one of the preeminent chefs and restaurateurs of the United States, who is the founder of Picos, Arnaldo Richards. It is a pleasure to host you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, Alexander, thank you for inviting me. This is, uh, this is an honor. Uh, Arnaldo, can you tell me one thing just for, for starters? Because if anybody is listening across the nation and wants to taste the most exceptional mole, uh, you have to either visit Picos in person, which you can do under social distance guidelines, or order Picos um, from their website and Gold Belly. But can you tell me about the origin of your mole? Well, uh, in my uh, list of moles, I have 19 moles, uh, and they come from different parts of Mexico. Uh, we feature some from Puebla. We feature some from Oaxaca, even some from the state of Mexico, where Mexico City is. And, uh, you know, some of the ones that are more famous even in Mexico are the ones from Oaxaca. Can you just tell our listeners who are familiar with your establishment about the inspiration for your business and when you started cooking and um, when you established your business? Well, now I am 62 years old. Um, I started in my uh, parents' kitchens in Monterey, Mexico at the early age of 14. Uh, I came to the United States to study hotel and restaurant management. I ended up in Houston at the Hotel Restaurant Management here in Houston, sponsored by Hilton. And uh, that was in 1978. Uh, by 1981, I had opened my first restaurant. It was called El Granero. <clears throat> and it was a, a small restaurant. And one of the reasons being that I opened the restaurant is because I was appalled and I was surprised that uh, there wasn't any authentic Mexican food here in, in even well, here in Texas and in Houston. And, uh, you know, back in the early 80s, all you could find was uh, burritos, uh, tacos, flautas, enchiladas, but nothing to what Mexican food is now. You know, we started in this small restaurant and we were serving seafood dishes. We were, we were serving complex moles. I mean, the stuff that I was used to eating in Mexico, I mean, to us, it was uh, something that I was uh, normal and natural. And when I came here, I realized that uh, for most Americans, it was something new, something unique, and something that they embraced very well. I mean, it did take a little while for people to to get accustomed to the flavors, but um, but now now it's different. Now there's a lot of people that had been following my footsteps, and uh, they had opened a lot of restaurants here in town, you know, with the same type of cuisine and the same type of flavors. You've definitely inspired uh, chefs and culinary talent over these years. In the midst of this pandemic, I have to ask you, in 30 years of, of leading um, and cooking in the culinary industry, did you have, had you seen anything like what we experienced with the pandemic, um, or, or was it completely unprecedented? Oh, and that's unprecedented. I mean, not even close. I mean, I've been in business for 38 years, uh, owning my own business. I've been in the business, uh, well, here in the United States since 1976 when I arrived for the first time. And uh, I've seen all the ups and downs of the economy and different things that have happened with the 9-11 and the, and the wars and everything. But, 
the pandemic is uh, something unprecedented. I mean, nothing even close to it. Once you've established that, then we have to ask, is the train back on the tracks? Um, when you think of how you are operating today and, you know, are you able to thrive as you were um, in resuming your restaurant business and now with the expanded uh, commercial and national um operation delivering picos to anybody around the country have things um begun to come back to normal or is there still a ways to go there's a ways to go i mean i i have been very fortunate that uh we had the business that we have on the 38 of the 38 years of business that i've been uh um open i mean we had a lot of good loyal clientele And of course, a lot of them, they trust what we're doing, how we're protecting them, how, you know, the step that we have taken to maintain this restaurant with the social distancing and, and everything that is involved from sanitation, from having plexiglass in my bar. I mean, a number of things that we have done. I mean, that's what's helped us to do and have the business that we have. And, uh, but we're not there yet. I mean, right now, I mean, when we when this started back in March, I mean, we had to reinvent ourselves, from, I mean, from the get-go, even a week before. My daughter Monica and I, you know, knowing that this was going to happen, and we heard the rumors that they were going to close us down completely in the dining room. I mean, we went ahead and we started working hard on developing our own um, uh, portal that to, to take orders online, something that we did not have at the time. And uh, that was one thing. I mean, you know, we work uh, probably 24-7 for a week uh, uh, working on this new system. And uh, we were able to achieve it by the time that we got shut down and we were we had to open only for curbside and delivery. And, and uh, that worked well for us. So we were prepared more so than most people. But, you know, it was just having the, the intuition to know that, uh, you know, this was going to happen. And, you know, we did a good job. And, uh, and and so far, I mean, like I said, you know, reinventing ourselves has been something like that. Uh, the Gold Belly, uh, having a tamale truck outside of the restaurant, you know, now is uh, an everyday occurrence. So, and many other things that we have been able to to implement here in the restaurant to be able to to maintain the level of business that we have from last year. But, you know, we're not there yet. You know, I, I'm proud to say that I am at the 75, 74, 75% level that I had last year, but uh, it's not enough. I mean, it's still not enough. I mean, I, I tried to maintain my employees here. I had lost very few. Uh, some of them are making a little bit more money than they were making before. Uh, on all the schedule adjustments that we had done, uh, maybe they, they're working a little harder, but, you know, they're making more money. And the ones that we don't have here, some of them choose not to be here. The government was very generous with uh, with uh, uh, unemployment benefits, and uh, some of this, some of them choose to not work because they were getting uh, just as much money and government benefits than what we were paying them, or the, or the hours that they were working. But anyways, it's, it's been it's been a, <laughs> a long journey in the past nine months, ten months almost now. What? Specific steps do you think that the state of Texas or the new Biden administration could take uh, that would help 
you go the rest of that distance that we need to go. Of course, there's the vaccination program. So getting getting folks vaccinated ought to be foremost um, on the government's agenda. But beyond what we hope will be a more expeditious vaccine rollout, which will enable people to feel safe going to your restaurant and for you to operate once again at close to full capacity. Besides that, are there other intervening steps that you uh, that you would recommend that you think would be beneficial to your business and to your colleagues um, who run restaurants elsewhere in in, uh, in 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 the state? Well, I mean, the vaccination is one big step because people are going to feel more confident about going out. But the fact remains that not even three percent of the population has been vaccinated, and that's. Uh, that's been a slow process, and that's something that the government needs to step up and really push this. I know Biden is saying that in the next 90 days that he's going to have 100 million people vaccinated. I, I have my, I don't, I don't think I, believe, I, I don't believe in that. I mean, the distribution is not as is not as good as they think it is or they claim it is. I mean, I have a lot of people in the medical in the medical um, business that. They are struggling, you know, in getting the supplies that they need because it's not only the vaccine. You got to think about it as the syringes and uh, there's the storage facilities, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's just not happening yet. It's not, the, you know, this uh, the infrastructure of this country was not set. It was not ready to vaccinate 320 million people. Well I mean, said, that's, well that's, said. Those big numbers. Yeah, that, that's, that's an incredibly important. So now that we know that the infrastructure isn't there, what about the foundational infrastructure like the PPP program and other, again, intervening actions that could help you and, and your employees? Well, I mean, the PPP program is essential. Uh, otherwise, we're not going to survive. I mean, I, I have been uh, losing money for the nine and a half months, uh, uh, something that we never experienced is the time that we opened the restaurant. That uh, and now you know we're facing that situation. I mean, we're willing to go the distance, but you know, and I hope the government is also willing to go the distance with us because, I mean, we are the food service um, business are the number one employer in this nation. And it's essential for them to have these people employed. And if not, this this economy is just going to crumble. Arnaldo, you go the distance at Picos, and you represent each of the seven regions and offer incredible dishes uh, that have unique flavor profiles. And you have the representing the whole of Mexico, so the north, the south, central Mexico, South Pacific coast, the northern Pacific coast, the Gulf, um, and the, you know, the fact that your restaurant represents the whole geography of the country is, is really inspiring and, and I would think distinctive. Are there, are there regions that you are most emotionally connected to? I don't have one in particular. Uh, there are areas of Mexico, uh, you know, because I always talk about seven different regions and it's all divided, you know, specifically in a, in a map that we have in, in our website. 
But, uh, you know, the southern states of Mexico are the ones that have the most tradition. They are the oldest states. That's where the Spaniards came and established themselves. And when we had the French and the English and all these different ethnicities came that came to Mexico and, uh, and contributed to the whole spectrum of the cuisine in Mexico, I mean, that's where, that's where it started. I mean, the northern states, the states of Mexico are mostly uh, from drier uh, climates, so they're very heavy into the beef and the and the and the meats. Uh, where in the southern states, in, in in particular Mexico City, Puebla, and the larger cities like like Guadalajara and Oaxaca, I mean, they had a lot of foreign influence. So, like you're talking about the complexity of the sauces. I mean, that was basically a mix between the original cultures in Mexico, you know, um, with influence from the French and the Spaniards and the English, and even the Germans. And you also give voice to the ancestral Mayan tradition and heritage in your food. But learning from your grandmother's recipes, uh, what was the origin uh, of the of the recipes that you learned from at a young age, which region and and what was the, if you will, the the heritage of those recipes that you first learned? I was fortunate enough to grow up uh, in a restaurant family, so it was not only my grandmother; it was my mother, it was my tia Modesta. I mean, they all had businesses. Uh, my the, my my mom's uh, side of the family came from the state of Guerrero, which is further south. Uh, the, my dad's family was from the state of Hidalgo, which is northeast of Mexico City. And as you know, my last name is Richards. Uh, my great-great-grandfather was uh, British, and he came to uh, the state of Hidalgo many, many years ago. I think it was 1872. And um, he was a minor engineer that came from Cornwall. So all that collage and all that mixture, you know, my mother descending from an Spanish, an Spanish family from Spain, and then my dad from an English family, and then all the influences that came in with the culture and the cuisines of all the regions in Mexico. I mean, that is a, uh, it's difficult to describe what inspires me. I mean, the, the, what inspires me is the history, is the culture, is the many different cultures that that existed in Mexico. And sometimes, I mean, they still do before the Spaniards came to Mexico. And that is a whole lot of, uh, there is a whole lot of history. A lot of, uh, you know, a whole lot of uh, different uh, recipes and ways and styles of food that they had prior to the Spaniards coming in. And when they did, and the Spaniards brought the pork and the beef, because that was not existent in Mexico. You know, the, the, the Mexican diet before the Spaniards was heavily into vegetables and fish. And, uh, I mean, the turkey is, is, is original from the from America. And so those were the animals they domesticated. They, they, they domesticated. I mean, they domesticated dogs for eating and then all types of different small animals. When the Spaniards came with pork, you know, Mexico now is based, and a lot of the recipes is based on pork. I mean, they were, uh, they adapted those meats to their cuisine, and they made all these delicious and and great sauces and combined it with uh, European techniques to come up with what Mexican food is about now. When I see that map 
in your restaurant and on your website, I, I think of our country and the desire to, to bring about greater unity. And from my experience, um, there are two things uh, that can touch the soul um, of, of a human being and, and transfix that human being uh, so much that they um, are, it, it's as if they've been transformed and have a, a refreshed identity and empathy and uh, understanding. And, and that is food and music. And I don't know if you agree with that characterization, Arnaldo, um, but taste your mole. And if everybody, you know, tasted your mole, I, I, I just think we'd all get along a lot better. But when it comes to the condition of, of these United States, um, looking at that map of the, of the different states in Mexico, is it your hope that your, your food um, and your presence um, can help uh, unify this country because uh, I think that, you know, there are certain distinctive people like you who have the capacity to do that. Well, and uh, well, from the very beginning, I mean, back in 1981, when my wife and I got together and decided to open the restaurant, our goal from the very beginning was to educate people about Mexican food. I mean, we were so, so surprised that, you know, the limitations that they had here at the time back in 81, even in the late 70s. And, uh, you know, tequila was really non-existent and, you know, it's a wonderful drink. And now, you know, look at the varieties and the plethora of different flavors of different bottles of different styles. I mean, that's one of them. But when it comes to food, I mean, I mean, one of my goals with, with Gold Belly is to essentially, you know, expose this different cuisine that in very few parts of this country have and I know there are people in uh, let's say Seattle or or Minnesota or in different states and cities in the U.S. that they had gone and experienced these foods in Mexico and they had traveled extensively through Mexico or even lived in Mexico and now they're back into their hometowns or the towns of origin and uh, and they don't have that, and they crave that, and they miss that. I mean, we had seen all the different uh, people that had ordered. I mean, just in, in the month of December, we sent over a thousand uh, different boxes of food to different parts of the of the states, even to Hawaii and Alaska. And uh, I'm almost certain that some, that some of these people, I mean, knew what we had. And when they saw that opportunity, I mean, they just jumped on it, and they started ordering our food. I mean, we had already seen repeat customers, which is very, very good for us and, and very, very good for Gold Belly. So, and uh, every day, I mean, we are just looking and see and what the next item that we're going to put in Gold Belly. What, is, what, what do we feel that pe people are going to really want to have? Um, you know, you were comparing the, the food and, and music. I mean, in reality, my food and my sauces—it it is a—it's a, it's a symphony of flavors, and uh, and that's where I see the two mix. And uh, and I just hope that people understand what we're doing because it, it is—it is quite uh, uh, an acquired taste for for you to have a mole. And you have an—you have to have an open mind that you're gonna taste a sauce or a. Um, 
a mixture of 29 to 27 to 29 different ingredients depending on the mold that you're eating and they're all going to blend to a specific flavor and nothing that you're going to be able to distinguish. Translating that symphony of flavor into actual unity, um, these states in recent months have had difficulty managing both the pandemic and a volatile political situation. There is the perception that there is uh, polarization, uh, and I'm sure that that is true. To what extent I'm interested in your assessment of whether or not that symphony of flavors and our and our better angels, the better angels of our humanity, are, are capable of unity and what will help us get there. So I, I suppose that the question is, in managing the culinary business in a community, you get to see the whole of the community. Um, what is your sense about how united or divided we are and how can we improve um, so that these states together represent that symphony? I'm afraid to say that the media is the one that sensationalized all this. I mean, I see the unity here on my customers. I mean, I see them come in. I mean, we have hundreds of people that come in on a daily basis. I don't see any separation of the classes or the or the races. Uh, you know, when you see a small group, uh, whether it's in Portland or whether it's in Cincinnati or wherever it is, and you get the media to start sensationalizing all this news and saying, you know, how bad... How badly united we are! Uh, I just, I just don't believe that. I mean, from my experience here in Houston and from what I see, I mean, I don't see that, that separation. Like I said, I mean, I think the unity is there. I mean, we just have to come to our consensus and and start saying the truth. I mean, we need to start not sensationalizing the news and uh, and basically, you know, behave like human beings. And all these human beings that are trying to cause all these problems, they need to stop doing it. Because it just it, it, it has become. Um, I just read yesterday or heard it on the news that you know when Trump came in into into the presidency, we had a you know an eighty nine percent people you know felt that the country was not divided, and now we are like a seventy percent. You know those are polls that I'm, sometimes I don't believe in. I just believe what I see. And I believe that the way you know we uh, we behave here in our restaurant, I, I see the, the way that people behave in my community. And um, my opinion is, I mean, the unity is still there, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere else. You know, just because Biden came in into the into the picture. Arnaldo Richards of Picos, thank you for your soulful words and food. I am so grateful for your insight today.